Have you felt disconnected lately? Just feel the fatigue of virtual church? Welcome to Lobby Talk with me, your host, Jonathan Tay, and joined by Pastor Jason Locke for a six-episode series as we try to inject some of that organic chit-chat back into the life of Hope Bible Church and dive into what doing life together looks and feels like in an increasingly remote and digital environment. Hey, welcome. If you're our audience, thank you for tuning in to Lobby Talk. This is our first ever episode. Uh, now, you may notice that we're not in a lobby. So, Jason, I want to throw it to you. Why are we doing Lobby Talk and why is it called Lobby Talk? Well, uh, during this time in the spring 2020, obviously we are experiencing the effects of physical distancing because of the regulations from COVID-19 and we're not able to meet in person at the church. Uh, we're doing church online and what we're one of the many things we're missing is we don't have the lobby at church, right? And the lobby is a unique t uh, space um, that we have at the church and we often see people uh, in the lobby generally do like two things, like they just chit chat, they kind of just catch up and see how each other's doing. Um, and they also, uh, I see at our church at Hope Markham, they uh, care for each other. They uh, talk about what they le learned in the sermon and they offer care for one another and we're kind of yeah. missing that right now. So this hopefully will, uh, for our, our uh, listeners and viewers, be a space where they can see you and me have a little lobby talk where we can just have some chit chat, catch up on what life is like during uh, physical distancing. And I hope that they'll be relatable to other people and encouraging. And then also, um, I, we're gonna thoughtfully talk about things we're learning from the scriptures from what I was able to preach. And I hope that as they hear us uh, engage in this unscripted dialogue from what we learned, that they will be encouraged, that you people listening will be encouraged to uh, thoughtfully consider what you learned from the sermon and even get thoughtfully prepared for your upcoming small group meeting so that you can engage in a way that encourages others. So, Lobby Talk, that's what this is about. That's awesome. Thank you so much for explaining that. Uh, I'm going to jump in and just get to uh, the section where we're going to hang out a little bit, catch up, and then I'm going to pivot later in the second half of our podcast where I'm going to just say, hey, I've got some questions about the sermon. Boom, here we go, right? Is that all right with you? Let's go. All right, man. So actually on the weekend, I noticed that on Instagram, you reposted um, a artist who designs tattoos, uh, tattoos, um, other types of branding, things like that. I'm just curious, man. What are your personal thoughts on tattoos? Do you have one? Um, yeah. What are your go? <laughs> wow. Yeah. So the guy, uh, I follow a lot of artists on uh, Instagram. I really like art done well. Um, yeah, I was really yeah. in, inspired to uh, look at look uh, and find good art, music, and visual after I read this really tiny book, which is this uh, called Art and the Bible by Francis Schaeffer. It's an cool. excellent book about um, uh, how art is used in the scriptures and the value of art. And even if you look about the... Let me give a brief Bible lesson before I explain about my ta tattoo things, all right? Genesis chapter okay. 2. Genesis chapter 2, when the when the scriptures talks about how God created all things, including the, including the tree of life and including the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he said that um, it was a delight to the eyes, both trees, 
a delight to the eyes, and for one of the trees, uh, good for food, right? So interesting that what Eve noticed in chapter 3 that led her into sin, that it was a delight to the eyes and desire to make her one wise, God actually created that tree to be delightful to the eyes. But he created that, in creating that tree, it in its beauty, he said, don't touch it. Like, it was not supposed to be touched. So, in God's creative work, there is a function to God's creation. Like, the tree of life and all of the green plants functioned for their nutrition. But there's also a fashion in it as well that there's beauty in God's creation, but that beauty needs to be respected and it needs to be honored according to God's law. So God's art, God is an artist in his creative work. He creates things for function and for fashion for his glory. So that's, just, I like art. Uh, tattoos, I have none. I, on a practical level, I am not planning on ever getting any. I'm 30 and I'm already seeing my body change in different ways. <laughs> when I was, a uh, in my teens and early 20s, it was, I don't know, my, I'm more, my body's more spongy now. Things go in, <laughs> and, <laughs> they, they, they stick around a lot. So I, I know, I've thought about tattoos. Uh, I just wouldn't get one for personal preference because I know my body's going to change. Um, I don't think that tattoos are inherently uh, wrong. Um, I had a good conversation with a guy actually at church. I had a lobby talk conversation with a guy at a church like six months ago uh, about this. And I kind of asked him, I was like, what do you want? Why do you want this? Yeah. If for him, it came down to it was a fashion thing that he wanted other people to, like, he wanted to look good in front of his peers. Right. Um, I, I don't think that the, uh, in the New Testament Christians have specific demands that say, would say it is a quote-unquote transgression to get a tattoo wouldn't say that at all but i would just want to know what's your what's your heart in it and there are guys that i know at our church who love jesus so much who got like lots of tattoos when they were younger and before christ and they look at what they have now and it's actually uh a, a, it's a there's a redeeming quality to it because this guy i know looks at his tattoos and like why did i do this but now he's able to, when pe it's, it's pretty obvious to people when they see it, but now he can use it as a way to say, to share his testimony and his faith. So yeah, there's redeeming qualities uh, to it. Not my personal preference. Don't think it's a don't do, do thing. Yeah, 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 I got you, man. Um, I got a question about now that we're, you know, Zooming and stuff like that. Um, we talked about this last week when I was just like catching up with you anyways, but we're on Zoom and there's this quality of Zoom and being on a virtual church kind of thing. Um, it, it, there's a not an awkwardness to it, but there's something that's just not fully there. Do you feel that? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Do you, what, what, do you think, what do you think would happen to our church if we didn't have the internet during the pandemic? Do you think we're, we as a church are readily equipped to be a church that could survive without technology? Yeah, this is, that's a great question. I think about churches across the world who don't have this capacity. Um, I think about, uh, I thought about this, I've thought about this a little bit. Like, what would we do? In 1918, we've, we've learned, like, there was this, the Spanish flu that happened, and churches were closed, and ain't no internet back in 1918, right? What could you do? Um, 
Wow, that is a wonderful question. You know what? I, I read an article about this. Um, we would have to rely a lot more on the family unit if we didn't have um, the internet. Dads would need to be pastors in their home. If we and they should if they should be now as the scripture says in Deuteronomy chapter 6 right that fathers should teach their children when you're walking along the way when you're sitting down when you're standing up let the word be put it on your door doorposts right but um, uh, we the church's unit the church unit under the authority of the elders uh, and the uh, pastor is ordained by God but in a circumstance like that uh, we would really need to rely on uh, the family unit. It would be a unique challenge for singles, for sure. And back in 1918, like y there, there was less urbanization, and yeah. people would have been more living in, uh, in family units. And uh, it, but like I can't imagine for people who are living in condos downtown, and you can't even go to the person next door, and no internet, and yeah, cool super life. alone. I have no idea what you would do with that, for sure. Um, yeah, but it is awkward and, and that's okay. Yeah. It's yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know we said this was unscripted, but I listened to something really cool on the weekend and okay. I wrote it down. So I'm going to read it and okay. then I'm going to get you to kind of get your thoughts and pick your brain a little bit on this. Um, okay. so I was listening to another Francis, Francis Chan. He has a podcast. He's recently moved as a pastor of a mega church in the States to Hong Kong. So that's his context. And so he challenged the Hong Kong church and he said, hey, do you really want to go back to your previous normal of simply reducing church to a place or building? You go to once a week for a couple of hours, you sing five songs, you listen to someone preach, you go home, you might even go to small groups or throw your kids in a youth program or a kids program. And so Francis Chan thinks that there's an opportunity for the church to really grow into something more than just the status quo of what they've always been doing. Do you think that's applicable to us at Hope Bible Church? His plea was that churches need to re-equip so that the next time around, if we weren't allowed to meet at Hope ever again and we didn't have technology, would we be equipped to gather over the word and simply enjoy the presence of God without necessarily being in the building to worship God? Not in the sense that he's discounting church membership or not being engaged in your own local church, but that's kind of his challenge to the Hong Kong church. Do you think that's applicable to us today? So uniquely, I'd say, I think for our context, um, this is an opportunity for us to uh, think more neighborly, to be more others centered um, in a time where we're, uh, we are not able to uh, speak as so readily with our neighbors uh, and our community. I'm encouraged to see our church community press into one another and that in many, in uh, what we've, the evidence that we've seen is that the Churches knit together in love, as Ephesians four says, and it's still happening yeah. during this time. I'm I there's a reason I, we as elders decided it'd be good and right for us to go through the books of Book of Acts during this time, because this is what I believe is the next step for our church to begin to now look uh, outwardly. This is why we hired um, uh, a staff member who's title is Director of Integration and Outreach. It's the first time where we've had someone on staff whose specific job um, is to help people get in the building, but then also to help them send them out the building. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think this is time for us to, when we get back to the next normal, 
like um, we have a new normal right now. There will be a next yeah. normal, and that will be a morphing blob of abnormal. Like who knows? That's one of those who knows things, right? Yeah. But I think this is now a chance for us to to see that um, uh, we are the you are the light of the world. Um, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Um, this is a chance for us to recognize we're witnesses. We are ambassadors. Okay, so everything goes back to normal. So you have your commute down into the city, and you're driving two hours a day, and you're calm home and you're tired, and you just want to have a meal and you go to bed. Okay, you're still a witness to your neighbor. You're still an ambassador to your neighbor. It's This, this is time for us to uh, recognize that we are witnesses and ambassadors and whenever the next thing comes about not to wait for the old not to look back for the old but to look forward to how can I be a faithful ambassador uh, for Christ cool. and that's a challenge for me I, we just moved into a new area, a new community and we're meeting our neighbors the other day, me, my wife and I by God's grace we, we just went around and dropped cookies off at some of our neighbors doors and we're developing relationships that we hope Love we'll that. be able to to uh, share our lives with and share yeah. the grace of God with. Cool. Thanks for sharing that, man. Um, so let's jump into sermons because uh, your your sermon was awesome. It was really a blessing to me and it really challenged me on some stuff. I also really liked how you kind of put yourself out there as well. And, you know, you've said there's two categories, right? There's the in, in a crisis often or uh, a chance to respond to something that's less than ideal. Uh, you can either get derailed in two ways, right? So there was the way where, yep, everything is fine. The house is burning. I'm sitting in it. Everything is fine. <laughs> everything is good. Like, and then there's, you mentioned how you would categorize yourself in the other opposite. It's like, okay, everything sucks. It's hopeless. There's no point. I'm going to give up, right? There's, there's, there's two ways almost in without God, those are kind of our two true outcomes. Um, I love that you first allowed us to see a little bit into your mind and what how you would respond um and just to open up to you a little bit i i am the first i am uh everything's fine i'm just gonna do everything do all of it and everything's gonna get fixed no problem i got it and obviously the house is still crumbling but everything's fine um <laughs> so for you practically what are you normally doing that would, because you said that there is a knockoff version specifically of the real thing. So specifically, a knockoff of approval of man is to the real deal of the approval of God, right? And so you mentioned that you normally feel anxiety when you start feeling that you're chasing after the approval of man rather than the approval of God. Um, when you start feeling anxious, is there usually a precursor uh, or something you're doing? Is it like prepping for a sermon? Is it uh, praying is it making calls to members of the church? What is it? Um, I you know what I find I, in the past couple of days what it's been it's being it's uh, a buildup of pressure. Um, it's like uh, so I found recently that it uh, when I had a quiet moment. Yeah. Um, like I uh, like I said I'm a busy person and I try and just get through the day and get through the day and get my tasks done. But when I have a quiet moment, some, somehow the first thing that rushes into my head is is that is that anxious thought. Without and that's where I need to react by setting my mind on the spirit and taking every thought captive. 
but I found it come in the quiet moments. My mind is flooded. It's it's like you're, it's like, uh, shaking a a, a, a a coke can and setting aside and thinking it'll. I, I need to open this, but I don't want to open it now. And then leaving it aside. But then when you come back, it it the you try and open it and it's just it it just hits you in the right in the face and it doesn't settle down. It's that's where I feel it most recently. Um, and I don't know how to. It, it, it's forcing me to pray more because I want to have peace. I want to have quiet moments, but I'm either th when I have a quiet moment, I'm either thinking of here's how I can do the next thing or my yeah. mind just ex ex explodes with that. <gasps> What's going to happen about this? So, so where's the pressure coming from though? Is it, is it simply the fact that it's quiet and there's so many things in the background noise that's kind of building up? Is this a gen general thing or is it specifically certain things in the week that you know are building up and are coming to a climax yeah um I th it's that's really hard to say i wish i had more insightful a uh, view of myself it's really hard to know yourself most my wife might be able to tell me sometimes yeah. i i think it, i'm honest i honestly say i'm learning more about this about myself i don't enough. know enough yet all i'm learning is that i'm an i'm learning more and more that i'm an anxious person um, the the other way that I do see uh, that despair come about is um, it's at the end of the day when I want to um, I've worked hard and I feel like you know I I deserve some rest I deserve some relaxation so that's the other side when and but I I turn my relaxation into I treat it as I reward myself you worked hard you deserve this. But it doesn't actually satisfy me because my Colossians 3 says work is unto the Lord, not to man. Right. I had to talk with some small group guys about this recently who they felt the same thing that I felt before. You know, at the end of the day, I'm just lazy. I just I worked hard. But my boss pays me for the work I do at my work, not at home. So, like, I get... I, what I'm trying, I was trying to, was having this conversation with the guys, and what I was trying to communicate to them was, um, you're using rest as your reward for your work. Your rest is not your reward for your work. That's a cheap substitute. Your your compensation for your work is what you get in your paycheck, and your approval in who you are is your identity in Christ. So when you choose to be lazy at the end of the day because you think you deserve it because you worked really hard, you're misusing the gift of rest that God has given you as this is the reward I've earned. Rest yeah. is yeah. a rest is the way I recharge for work, not the reward for my work. Yeah. Such a fine line, right? right. Such a fine it is. line. And and I find myself using rest sometimes as my dis numbing mechanism. I worked hard, I deserve this, so I watch uh things online and I eat a snack and but it doesn't satisfy and it just leads me deeper into despair if i'm not remembering no i need to work as unto the lord and my god is my master and i have rewards reward secured in christ cool yeah mm -hmm. that's helpful thanks so much for that insight man um you mentioned how living and walking by the spirit is more of the outcome and result rather than the, the practical how-to and you listed three things for the practical how-to which is being proactive, being active, and then being reactive, right? And I feel like when I walk with God and I fail pretty often, admittedly, 
I can get into this vicious cycle of failure and trying harder. And then those three things that you mentioned, I use them almost as a mechanism to try harder. So how can I make sure that I don't turn these strategies that you've given to us, um, which are healthy things, but how do I make sure that those don't turn into just some behavioral exercise or fall into the trap of simply do more if you want to love God more? Because I think a lot of people struggle with um, the idea that, hey, if you just love God more, then you wouldn't fail as much. Yes. Yeah, that's great. Uh, it needs to be preempted by faith. Faith in verse 5 to 8 of setting your mind in the Spirit needs to be preempted by verse 1 to 4 of chapter 8, which recognizes my identity in Christ. And the shift is so subtle. To It's so sh subtle. And it's really only something that you can know in your heart and that God knows in your heart. And something that I know in my heart and God knows in my heart. And that's what's my motivation for doing spiritual things. And is it either uh, I'm working to earn something or I'm working because I've been given something. So it's a very subtle line and it's a matter of the heart. That uh, And so if I have front of mind the first thing of setting my mind on Christ, uh, setting my mind on the Spirit, proactively, actively, reactively, the first thing always needs to be incarnation and substitution and justification. Christ lived the life I couldn't. He died the death I deserve. And his righteousness is credited to my account. Allegations are dropped. Accusations are silenced. Thank you. It comes from a heart of worship. If it's, a, if it's from a heart of self-improvement, I just, this, these things that are assailing my mind and making me feel ruined are inconvenient and I don't want them. So I'm going to improve myself. This is, you can get that from any pop psychology, uh, Dr. Phil, uh, you can get that self-help book on, you can get that anywhere. But the difference in this is Christianity isn't just about improving yourself. It's about offering your affections and allegiance to the God who is so worthy of our lives. It's not so much that I'm trying to improve myself, is that I, I love God because of what he's done for me. So first in mind, in setting my mind on the spirit, is faith that recognizes who I am because of what Christ has done. So then it's not just like, oh, I need to actively abide. Oh, I need to uh, or proactively abide. I need to actively pray. I need to reactively capture and take captive thoughts. It's very subtle. Only we can know our hearts. But uh, it, it, I, want to, I want to maintain an attitude of humble brokenness. That I, I need God, but he's so great and he's worthy of my whole life. Um, so I would encourage people if you if it if you're making it if you feel more burdened down, sit sit back and think about remember who God is and, and get Romans one to four into your eight one to four before you get Romans five eight uh, yeah. five five to eight. Get the first part before you get the second part. Yeah. I got you. No, that's great. Um, that's something that I think I struggle with a lot because, like you said, so subtle that little twist and you've changed everything right so it can become a very burdensome journey if that's all you focus on and doing more trying harder grind it out kind of thing right 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so hey, that's all I got for you today, man. So really thank you for taking the time. Uh, hopefully people who've tuned in are blessed by this and are you know encouraged to you know really forefront of their mind this week to think through what they can bring to their small groups. Um, you got anything for me? If not, we're going to call it a wrap today. Hey, um, thanks for joining everyone today, John. I'll always love catching up with you, man. We'll talk soon. Well, that's all for today on Lobby Talk. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast and remember to bring your questions and be ready to contribute to your small group meeting this week. And if you're not in one, please contact us at info at hopemarkham.ca as we'd love to support you and for you to have community in times like these. Thanks for listening and thank you to Pastor Jason for calling in this morning. Tune in next week as we catch up over morning coffee and chat about the weekend sermon in the church lobby. And we'll see you next time.